You've lived a great life and done well for yourself. But what mark will you leave on the world? How will you inspire future generations? Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand have helped thousands of people answer exactly those questions. If you've ever wondered, what will be my legacy? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Stan and Katie Beth. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the show. You are listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. This morning, we are so excited to have Andrew Ayers with us. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Fantastic. So, Andrew, you have a very, very interesting background. A lot of questions for you this morning. So let's start with a little bit of your history. You started your career by representing people and businesses in lawsuits in court. So talk to us a little bit about your journey from that area of practice to what it is that you do now. Sure. And, you know, so I started actually about 20 years ago in New York City. And even before doing businesses, it was actually a family law practice. So I worked with a family law practitioner. I was the primary associate and we do lots of divorces and a lot of them involve business owners. And kind of what I saw was after the divorce was over, there was a missing piece. And that was what does that business owner, what does that person do next? How do we fix their business? You know, if they had owned that business with their spouse, oftentimes they'd be now the owner all alone. And what are those next steps? And then also on the estate planning side, you know, how do we make a new plan? A lot of these people had estate plans from when they were married. Some of them were folks who never went to college and they were married to their high school sweetheart and they didn't know how to budget. They didn't know how to plan for their future. And so there's this missing piece after the divorce. So that's where I kind of got started on the litigation side. And then 2011, in 2010, my daughter was born. In 2011, mm-hmm. I went on my own because I realized litigation is fun. And I still do some litigation, but you know, having that family piece for me was important to kind of transition a bit to how can I help people more in a way that's conducive to having a family life. And so that's when I started my firm in 2011. And we've slowly moved to more focused on planning for business owners and estate planning for couples and families to make sure that they've got their legacies planned for. And occasionally that does still mean litigation. So a lot of the businesses I work with end up with people owing them money and they say, Andrew, we've got to go to court to get this debt paid. Okay. So how did starting your own business change the way that you view the challenges and the unique opportunities of your clients that are business owners? Did that give you some insight into starting your own practice and branching off on your own? Yeah, it gave me a lot of insight into what it goes what goes into running your own business. And so a lot of times the discussions that I have with business owner clients aren't always about the legal matters they're dealing with. They they can be about we're having a marketing issue or we're having a tech issue or I need an accountant. So, you know, having a business for a decade now, I understand a lot of what they're going through especially when they're starting up. And you know, I try to explain to my new clients who are starting a business that I want their client journey to outlive me. So I want them to grow and grow to the point where I can't help them anymore. They have too many legal issues. We need to kind of hand them off to that next level firm up. And I don't take any you know, offense to that. I say, that's where I want you to be because that's shown that your business has grown and grown beyond just needing one person law firm. You need you know, more of a full service law firm to help you out. That's fantastic. So you provide a lot of different types of guidance to your clients. You do succession plans, wealth transfer plans. You also help with philanthropic engagement. Tell us a little bit about what you do to help guide your clients through those planning processes. 
Oh, I think the main thing I do is help them really focus on where they should spend their time. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of looking at, you know, next quarter, where should I spend that next dollar? Should it be revamping my legal system? Should it be revamping my marketing? Should it be focusing on community engagement or other philanthropic endeavors? So, you know, what I try to do is say, all right, I'm that legal piece, but I'm not the only piece when working together. Let's make sure that we're considering all the options and knowing where that right next step is for you and your business. Great. Stan, what questions do you have for Andrew? Oh, I have more than 30 minutes worth, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have this conversation for a long time. I think there's a lot I could learn from you, Andrew. One thing I've noticed with clients is that if they're a business owner, and under the category of business owner, by the way, I'm including farmers in that. I don't know. Do you do, you do any work in agriculture? I know you're in Minnesota, and I know Minnesota is a big ag state. One thing that we know about business owner clients is that the business is not like a publicly traded security. It's not just a financial asset. It has all kinds of emotional significance. You know, clients who start a business become really emotionally invested in it. It becomes identified with who they are as a person. And one of the things that we know is that a lot of business owners would really like to see that business continue to thrive long after they're gone. And that's not true for everybody. I mean, some are happy to just sell it and take the money, but a lot of clients I've found really want to see that business continue to thrive. That's a challenge. I'm really curious to hear your thinking about some of the things that you do, some of the things you advise clients on about how to accomplish that. Sure. And I think when you're looking at the succession plan and you have a family-owned business, the first thing we have to look at is what does the next generation look like? Because a lot of times we have families who they have a couple of kids and neither of them would have any interest in the business. They have no business knowledge. They just wouldn't be the right person. And it's letting go of that ego of, you know, it's the Smith family business, but the next generation may keep the Smith family business name, but be run by somebody who's not part of the Smith family. And so we, we try to look at and identify the right talent in the business and say, let's make sure we keep them on board. I mean, especially these days, you know, the fight for talent is so tight out there and it's hard to find the best people. And if you've got that long-term plan, we can still create that business that can be kicking off income to you after you retire, can leave a legacy to your family. Maybe your family members are still receiving income after you're gone, but it may not be your family who's going to be running that business. And I think that's a really big hurdle that a lot of business owners need to get over, that what's best for the business may be someone outside the Smith family taking over when you're ready to move on. You know, sometimes in a family, there's that one child, you know, one or two children that have a real interest in being involved in the succession and running the business, but you have other children who aren't. And so that puts parents in this really interesting position of trying to figure out what's fair and is fair equal. That's a question I bet you've encountered more than once. Yeah. And I mean, and that's at the heart of any estate plan or business plan is looking at what's fair, what's equal, but also, you know, what's best for your family. Because if that one, the one child who's really interested in the business is also going to run the business into the ground, you're ruining that legacy for the other children. So you have to balance that out when you're looking at how you want that next generation to be involved with your business. And it's just as important for those other children not in the business to understand that their legacy is protected as well. Yeah. Can you share a thought or two, an idea or two that you've been able to incorporate into plans that accomplish that? I mean, it's really going to be independent for each business. I mean, I've had uh, sure. everyone kind of look at the different ways to do it. You know, I can't, you know, I don't know anything off the top of my head because I think usually my clients have a pretty clear plan of who's going to be running it. And if we have that child who's in the business, but is not the best for the next generation, 
I think we usually try to find a way to keep them in the business, but maybe at a certain level. So they're not going to be the new CEO. They're not going to run the business going forward. For example, one of the things that we've done is we recommended life insurance as a solution so that child that wants to be involved in the business maybe gets the business interest. And then the children that are not involved at all, you know, get makeup money with life insurance. That's an example of things that we've done. But yeah, I do totally agree with you. These are all handmade. There is no cookie cutter formula for how to do it. And that's what makes it fun, right? It's like every single one of these is a puzzle. And we have to really get out of the hood, get to know the family members, get a sense of the relationship dynamics. Have you ever had occasion to bring in outside family business consultants in this process? I have. And so I work with actually kind of a network of other professionals, both here in Minnesota and out in New York, who can kind of supplement the legal needs. And whether it's a business coach or a strategy coach for that long-term vision, I'm a big proponent of when you're running the business, you're good at one thing. So if we're looking at a farm here in Minnesota, the farmer who you know grew up in that farm is good at the farming piece, but maybe not at the business, maybe not at the HR, maybe at the other issues that that business is going to run into. So it's a very in my office, we call it the team approach. So it's trusted experts, mentors, and authorities, or authorities and mentors, T-E-A-M. And the point is we want to find that right team to work with that C-suite level of a family business, because chances are your family doesn't have all of those bases covered, and we want to find the right professionals to supplement them. Would you be willing to share the names of some of these groups that you work with so we could put it in the show notes and share that with our listeners? Absolutely. I can give you some names afterwards and we can give you some uh, context for folks. Yeah, that'd be terrific. I think that's a really useful resource and very underutilized in my opinion. So Andrew, another question that I have for you just to switch gears for a moment. You're an avid reader. I can tell that from number one, the, the background for our listeners who are listening just to the podcast version. Andrew's background is full of books. I see deep work and some other ones I recognize. Tell us a little bit about what you like to read. You have a goal, a book goal every year, 52 books a year. So tell us a little bit about what got you into that and what made you set that goal, the types of books you like to read and some things that our our listeners, maybe advisors and attorneys might like to know about why you read and what you read. Okay. Well, I mean, I can go half an hour on that. I mean, we can just talk about that for the rest of the time. So I should probably start out with I'm the son of a librarian. So I grew up around books. My mom was a librarian. I remember being in elementary school, and I, I think I ripped through the entire aisle of biographies that the elementary school had. So I've been a big reader as far as I can remember. I do love biographies and nonfiction. My wife gets on me that I should read more fiction. So I'm usually working on two to three books at any time. You should try to have a fiction book at home on the nightstand because if I'm reading business stuff before bed, I don't sleep as well. Right now, it's The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson is at home. Um, I've got metronomics. Not a, not a good bedtime read for me, in my opinion, but fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then I've got metronomics is what my business book is right now here at the office. And that's similar to what we just talked about of having other professionals. Metronomics is another way to kind of run your business with a plan for quarterly goals, quarterly meetings, and yearly meetings and having three-year goals. So every day I try to set aside 45 minutes to an hour to read something. Years ago when I was in law school, I met a judge who said, if you don't do anything else, read something every day, even if it's a newspaper, even if it's a blog, just find something to read because it's important to kind of revitalize your mind. When do you read? Is there a time of day that works best? Yep. So I actually read after lunch. So I block oh. for about 45 minutes after I'm done with lunch. And that's you know usually in the 1230 to 1:30 hour. There's no appointments. The doors close. It's a good time to just have a break from the day and read a little bit. 
And whether it's a you know trade journal, whether it's a book, that's kind of my reading time at the office. Interesting. Not the answer I expected. Oh, I mean, there's other times to read. I read at night too before bed. But yeah, I try to break up the day and find a little time to read during the day. Deep work, as you mentioned, I think is a great read for people these days. I mean, if I walked back there, I could go through all the different books. Story Brand by Donald Miller, I can see that spine as well. Um, one of I our think, favorites. I think it's really important to find a way to tell your client's story. It's not about our story. It's about their story so that they can understand their legacies. Over Deliver by Brian Kurtz is one that I really like that helps you focus on kind of who your real clients are and what you can provide for them and giving more value than what most clients would expect out of an attorney. And again, I mean, I could go through the hundreds of books that are sitting behind me, but those are a few that come off the top of my head. That's fantastic. I feel like I would love to get a list of all the books that you've read. It's some, it seems like we have in common, but I know you have more to offer us on that. If you had to pick a top book that you could recommend to help financial advisors and other attorneys, what one book would you recommend? I know it's a big ask. Actually, I would go with Over Deliver by Brian Kurtz because okay. it really helps you focus on the clients and delivering more value for them than, than they anticipate. So through your continuing education that's always happening by this reading and through the work that you do with your firm, tell us, Andrew, what is it that you hope that your legacy is? I hope that my legacy is I help people get their legacies in order. So a lot of times I'll meet with either business owners or young families who just don't have any planning in place and they're intimidated by the process. And so I, you know, I've tried to roll out YouTube videos and other ways to connect with people to show them that this doesn't have to be an intimidating process. You hear a lawyer, you expect a lot of money involved and they immediately kind of shut down and they're scared of the process. So I want to make sure that people understand that lawyers shouldn't be intimidating when it's coming to your plan because it's important for you. You know, For me, my problem is a lot of people come to me with that document they got from a website. It's either signed incorrectly or it's not filled out. And they think, well, I'm protected because I downloaded this two-page will. And I think I and I dealt with this last week with a case in Brooklyn where unfortunately the man passed away. He had a two-page will from a website, but it's New York and there's no witnesses. There's no notary. It's just he signed it. And he had very specific ideas of what he wanted to have happen to his estate. And it's not going to happen now because it's not a valid will. And he owns conservatively $10 million of property in downtown Brooklyn that's now going to have to go through the probate court. And he was a little bit older and his the direct heir under New York law has also died. And he was in Puerto Rico and a hurricane went through Puerto Rico. So you've now created this massive mess that we're all going to have to sort out. And unfortunately, the lawyers are going to have to be involved where if he had just taken the extra five minutes and spoken to an attorney, they'd say, listen, make sure you get a couple of witnesses when you get that signed and you'll be fine. But you know, that's the part of the process that I think frustrates me and I want to get fixed is that a lot of people think they've created a plan and they've gone those 99 miles, but there's still the one more to go. Yeah, there are millions of stories like that. And I think as attorneys, this is why I'm not shy about marketing, because I think if we nudge clients into taking the action steps they take. I, my conscience is pretty clear on that. Yep, absolutely. And I think that, that, you know, the clients need to see that. And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of times they see that ad on TV that says get a will for $59. And then they come to us and say, why would I spend all that extra money? And we have right. to say, well, let's get that peace of mind because let me show you what you get for $59 versus what you get when you work with an attorney. Yep. Right. Having a plan doesn't do you any good if it doesn't work the way it should when it's tested. And unfortunately, for so many clients like the one you were talking about, they think that they're well protected and they're not. And their families are the ones that pay the consequences and their legacies are the ones that are lost. So very sound advice. Thank you, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we didn't talk about that you'd like to cover on the show today? 
just going back to our reading, because again, I could talk to her forever. There actually is a list on my website of what I'm reading and what I've read in the past. So if you're on my bio page about halfway down, it shows you what I've read recently and you can actually click through and see a link to uh, past books. And, you know, to further on that theme, I actually also do a quarterly book giveaway. So for people who are my clients and people who sign up for the list four times a year, we just do, I shoot out an email and say the first 10 people to respond, you get a copy of this book. And so we've done cookbooks. We did an Agatha Christie book last summer in 2021. This past summer, we did the Mr. Liu, who's from China, who did the three body problem. He had a set of short stories. So we gave that out. And I'm not sure what November is going to be yet, but you can always get on the list on my website as well. And every three months, if you're one of the first 10 to respond, there's no cost for it. I don't do gift wrapping, but you get a book and you can send it as a gift. I always say in the email, you can send it as a gift to somebody else, but I don't do gift wrapping. Okay. That is perfect. Very cool. Well, thank you everyone who has joined us today. This has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today was attorney Andrew Ayers. You can find out more about Andrew and his book list and what he does as an attorney at andrewmayers.com. And we will also link additional information in the show notes. Andrew, thank you so much for the interview. We really enjoyed it. All right. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Stan and Katie Beth, go to PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. You can also find links in the show notes.